Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. If this word isn't in your vocabulary, it definitely should be. Edification. It carries the idea of building one another up. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah explains why every believer should understand what edification is and what it isn't as we fulfill our call to stand against the culture of destruction. Here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Stay Constructive. Now, friends, there's never been a time when it has been more important for us to be in the business of building one another up. That is called edification. That's the word. And it's from the word to build. You know, the word edifice is a word for building. So edification means to build one another up. Unfortunately, as we mentioned last time on Friday, uh, we seem to be better sometimes at tearing down than we are at building up. So this lesson is to remind us that in this negative world in which we live, there's a better way to live than always finding fault with others. There's a way to live where you can take the Word of God and use it to encourage one another and really make a difference. You know, there's a global pandemic. There's violence in the streets. There's cries of injustice across communities, economic instability. Never before has life felt so chaotic. And in the midst of it all, we need to know how to respond when our challenges exceed our courage. That's what this series is all about, and that's what our resource for the month is all about. It's a book called Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope in Uncertain Times. You can get this 230-page book to help you remember what we're teaching on the air every day. It's filled with all the truth we've been talking about and lots more, all of the illustrations, all of the uh, footnotes, everything you need to follow through on all this material, especially all the Bible verses, to help you live with confidence in a chaotic world. Ask for your copy today when you send your April gift to Turning Point. It's our privilege to enrich your life and add value to your own spiritual walk by making this book available to you in this way. Thank you for your generosity and your investment in Turning Point. Let's get started. Let's finish up our discussion on how to stay constructive. Jesus is completing a conversation with Peter, and once again, he is going to foretell what lies ahead of this man, just as he had done back in the Gospels. Read with me from John chapter 21 and verse 18. Jesus says to Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. On the night of his arrest, Jesus had correctly predicted an act of cowardice. Now he predicts an act of courage. He is saying that Peter will reach his older years, but that he will die with his hands outstretched. A euphemism for what Jesus had been through. A picture, if you will, of crucifixion. And if you study history, you know that's exactly what happened to Peter. He was crucified 
by his own request upside down because he did not feel himself worthy to be crucified in the same way as his master had been. But now that Peter is a fallen disciple, now he's about to hear the last words of our Lord. Once again, he will hear these words from Jesus. Follow me. As this exchange occurs, Peter notices that someone else is already following. According to John 21, 20, Peter turns and he sees the disciple whom Jesus loved. And this is John, of course, because John is the one who is described in the Gospels as the disciple that Jesus loved. But Peter still hasn't learned his lesson, and so he turns to the Lord and he points to John and he says, but Lord, what shall this man do? And the Lord even in the quietness of this moment, and while he is trying to minister to his apostle, turns stern for just a moment, and he says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you, Peter? You must follow me. Jesus' final words to Peter were these. You must follow me. I wanted to begin right there today, framing the story for this message. But I want to go back and examine, if I might, that fascinating conversation that led up to this moment in Peter's life. Back in John 18, we find the disciples in crisis, and Jesus has been arrested, and two disciples have followed at a distance. One loving and loyal John will follow all the way to the cross, and the other, Peter, he's going to experience another relapse of doubt. Peter is always near and yet so far. He's followed Jesus to the point at which his courage fails and beside a fire where peasants warm their hands, a stranger voices the very question which Peter is really asking of himself. The stranger says, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? And Peter hears himself say, I am not. And worst of all, the growing suspicion in his heart is that he is telling the truth. He is not a disciple. He's given two more chances to correct it, and he does not. I'm sure, if you're honest, you've been there as I have, doing or saying something wrong, feeling the sting of conviction, hearing the voice inside of us asking, you are one of his disciples, are you not? We also know that our first act of disobedience can become a slippery slope that sometimes turns into an avalanche. That's what happened to Peter. And now, at the end of his life, there's another fire, and there's another time where Peter is soul-searching, and finally, in desperation, he says to his friends, I'm going fishing, and their fishing trip in John 21 ends up almost exactly like the one did in Luke chapter 5. Soon they're catching so many fish, and they're spilling over the nets, and Actually, in this occasion, John actually counted them. So there's a campfire, a breakfast, a reunion. There's laughter, probably a lot of questions. Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter answers in the affirmative. But watch carefully what's in the text. He uses the word love in our Bibles as we read them all three times. But in the first two questions, the word love is the word agape, the most powerful word for unconditional love, the supreme sacrificial love word. Peter, do you really love me with the love of God? 
And each time that Jesus asks Peter that question, he answers with a different word. He says, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. Jesus asks Peter again, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter once again says, Lord God, you know I'm fond of you. We've all been there, haven't we? Searching our own souls and asking ourselves, do we really love God or are we just fond of him? Finally, the last question, the Lord God accommodates himself to Peter's level of discipleship and he says to Peter, Peter, are you really even fond of me? That all had happened back there in Luke, back in the early experience. Now it's happening again. And now, once again, Peter is being asked about his relationship with God. Interesting, in this passage of Scripture, we often stop here. This is the core message of John 21, but there's so much more because after Peter responds to our Lord's three questions, the Lord Jesus gives him some instruction. And the instruction that he gives to Peter is at the very core of what it means to be constructive. Three times Jesus speaks to the spirit of Peter and says to him, Peter, if you really do love me, let me tell you what to do. He said, Peter, if you're my disciple, here's my command to you. I want you to feed my lambs. And the second time he says to Peter, not only do I want you to feed my lambs, I want you to tend my sheep. And then finally he says, feed my sheep and sort of combines the two of them together. What is Jesus saying to Peter? He's saying, Peter, it's not about some abstract love that you claim to have and how that love might be measured on some scale. Peter, what I want to know is do you love me enough to do what I've called you to do? Do you love me enough to minister to my people? to build my people. And Jesus adds the final commandment at the end of this, and he says, follow me. As I read this chapter, and I've read it many times, in fact, John 21 is one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament. It's so filled with realism. And yet at the core of this chapter is the message that I believe God has for us in this day in which we live. God has not called us to the empty admonitions, the empty assumptions of life. He's not saying, do you love me? Sure, we love him. But what do we do when we love him? We do what he tells us to do. What he told Peter to do is what he is telling us to do. We're to build our lives in a constructive way and make a difference in the world in which we live. This is no time for us to be tearing down as we seem to be doing so incredibly well in the church. This is the time for us to grab hold of the initiative and build up. Before we close our Bibles today, I wanna to just take a moment and extrapolate from this passage of scripture some principles about what it means to be constructive. First of all, to be constructive means that we are going to be living lives differently than those around us. We will not be caught up in the indoor sport of ridicule and criticism and judgment. Principle number one in the application of this to all of our hearts is this. This whole building up business, this edification, this construction, it's not about us, it's about others. The Bible tells us that we're to build up one another. 
I only know one passage in all the Bible that has anything to say about self-building or self-edification. In fact, if you've studied the New Testament, you know that the New Testament is a book of we passages. Passages about community. I've made the comment many times that the word saint in the New Testament is never in the singular. It's always in the plural. So we need to be thinking lovingly and sensitively about the best way to lift people up. And Paul gives us a solid tip in 1 Corinthians 10. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. In other words, we're to be concerned about others. If we're going to do as the Lord instructed Peter, if we're going to follow his admonition to Peter and to us, our role is no longer to be among those who tear down, but to join the ranks of those who build up. I remember not long ago reading a little section from a book by Erwin McManus, and he wrote these words. He said, unfortunately for too many people, when the conversation is no longer about them, there's not much left to be said. To that assessment, he adds that since we are each the center of the universe, everything is evaluated on whether or not it meets our own specific and special needs. I don't know how many times I've heard this, but people who come and go from churches always want to know the same thing. Does the church meet my needs? And sometimes we need to just stop and ask this question. Is that really the purpose of being a Christian? That your needs be met? Or is it rather that we should be involved in the kingdom's work in meeting the needs of others, especially those who are poor, especially those who do not have anything like what we have? This whole concept of building up men and women is not about just getting our needs met. It's about reaching out to those around us and strengthening them through the power of the Holy Spirit that flows through us. Rather than just being obedient to be a Christian, we need to be obedient in living like a Christian. The implication is that what serves the body takes precedence over what serves the individual. I read about a group of women who were having dinner together shortly after one of the women had returned from Europe. And one of the women, a stay-at-home mom, was particularly low in spirit that day. She hadn't been to Europe or anywhere else exciting, and her life felt so drab, and, and she sort of felt like she was invisible. She was surprised when her returning friend, the one who had come back from Europe, presented her with a gift, and it was a book about the great cathedrals in Europe. Inside the cover, her friend had inscribed these words, quote, with admiration for the greatness of what you are building when only God can see. And inside the book, she read the account of how one of the cathedrals was built. A visitor saw a workman carving a tiny bird on the inside of a beam, and he watched the craftsman's concentrated movements for a few moments and looked up at the entire massive structure under constant construction for over a whole century. And he asked the carver, why are you spending so much time chiseling a tiny bird into the beam and it's not even going to be seen? It's going to be covered by the roof. It's going to be hidden from everyone. And without looking away from his work, the craftsman simply replied, I'm doing it because God sees. As the woman read this story, she thought of the things in her life that were hidden from view. 
baking for church receptions, sewing patches on children's jeans, cleaning the house, and then cleaning it again when it was left messy. And she remembered now that God saw and she felt better. Most of all, she realized that her friend had done a little carving on the weary beams of her soul. It was uplifting, edifying encouragement from a friend just at the right time. That's the way God uses us when we are committed to others. We must try to be ready for those moments as Christians, especially during these times, watching for the lagging moods of our friends and ready to take the word and build into their life the message of encouragement. Sometimes even our most casual words, men and women, are to be spoken with regard to the ripple effect that issues. It's not about us. It's about others. Let me give you the second principle. Edification is not about you. It's about others. And edification is not about what you profess. It's about what you pursue. Building is long and deliberate work. But destruction is the work of a thoughtless moment. You don't have to think before you tear someone down. But you have to think carefully to build someone up. Romans 14, 19 puts it this way. Therefore, let us pursue the things that make for peace and the things by which we may edify or build up one another. Paul said to the Romans, this is something you have to be proactive about. You have to pursue this. This is just going to happen. So many things keep us from pursuing the good of others. And it's so much easier for us to just take a moment and in a careless word to tear down instead of to build up. I don't know who wrote this little poem. In fact, I've looked around and can't find it. It's always with the word anonymous at the bottom of it. So we'll give credit to anonymous here for this bit of poetry. But it speaks volumes. Listen carefully. I saw them tearing a building down, a group of men in a busy town. With hefty blow and lusty yell, they swung with zest and a side wall fell. Ask of the foreman, are these men skilled, the kind you would hire if you had to build? And he looked at me and laughed. No, indeed, unskilled labor is all I need. Why, they can wreck in a day or two what it's taken builders years to do. I asked myself as I went my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder with rule and square, measuring and constructing with skill and care, or am I the wrecker who walks the town content with the business of tearing down? Good question. One we should ask ourselves often. Are you known for building up or are you known for tearing down? Here's the third principle. Edification is not about how much you know. It's about how much you care. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Have you ever been hurting over something? When someone wanted to give you a detailed advice list, when all you wanted was somebody to listen to you, I've been there many times. We men in particular, we live our whole lives without figuring out that often what our wives want from us is just to listen. What they want is to know that we care, that we empathize, and that we hurt with them. We need to realize that everything we do at church, whether it's doctrine and information, or teaching, or small groups, or whatever, it all comes down to looking around on occasion and seeing that we can have a ministry to those who need a word from us, but we have to work at it, don't we? It doesn't come easy. It's not a natural thing. 
Let me give you the last principle before we close our Bibles today. It's really not about your wisdom. It's about his word. And here's the passage, Acts 20, 32. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The word of God, according to Acts chapter 20, is a book that builds And because of that, if we're going to make it through these perilous days, these chaotic days, we need to be committed to the word of God. It's the word of God that will build. It's the word of God that will lift up. It is the word of God that will get us through these times. It's not about what we think. It's about what the word of God says. So yes, let's be honest. The real work is done in fellowship We must never forget the deep private work of building that only the Holy Spirit can do through us in the body of Christ. Many people stop during the autumn to take in the spectacle of geese migrating in flocks. And they've noticed that the geese fly in a formation, kind of a V formation, if you will. And it's more than just efficient. It's beautiful to watch, but it is efficient. And when they flap their wings, they create an uplift of air, an effect that is increased as you get to the back of the formation. Now, if you could watch this and you could put it on time delay on your camera, you would notice that there is one goose at the point of the V, and after a certain time, he drops off and flies to the back and someone else takes the point. In this way, the geese take care of one another and they don't allow any of their flock to get too tired The strongest of the geese will lead until others rotate to the front and take their place. By cooperating and uplifting one another, the geese achieve long migrations that would be otherwise impossible. They're a great example of how we're to get through life. Yes, we're to be constructive. I cannot predict what the condition of the world will be in the last days. I don't know anything of the circumstances of your life But of certain truths, I can be extremely sure. And one is that Christ's return is closer than it was when we began this message today. And another is that his church will still endure because it is eternal. And finally, I know that you have a place in that church, a place where you can heal and be healed, a place where you can take the lead and fall back on occasion for a rest, a place where you can build up others and be built up yourself. The world outside can only grow so dark. It can never be blacker than black. But inside the church, we have yet to see the ultimate brightness of pure light. We've yet to see the perfection of genuine love. We've yet to become these people that we're destined to become through the strengthening of the body of believers and through the work of Christ himself. When Christ returns, that will be the brightest, the most intense, the most beautiful light in all of creation. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I hope you are drawn to that light like a moth to a flame. What on earth should we be doing now? How can we live with confidence in a chaotic world? We can get together. We can serve the Lord. We can build one another up and await his return. So let me go back to the beginning and remind you, unlike The signs on the buses. Here's the one I'd like to put on the bus I ride. There is a God. Christ is returning. The best is yet to come. You can put that on your bus and drive it. Hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about how to stay challenged. And um, this lesson is about diligence. 
one of the most important principles in the Christian walk and one that we need to constantly be undergirding in one another. So we're going to talk about that tomorrow and the next day as we continue our journey in this series we have called Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World. Hey, friends, don't forget you can get the book that's behind all of this. It's a 230-page book available to you during the month of April only for a gift of any size to Turning Point. That's right. Do your best. Send your best gift, whatever that may be. Whatever God tells you to do, send it. And when you do, ask for the book. Now, you have to ask for the book. Don't just send a gift and don't say anything about the book. So when you send your gift, ask for the book, and we'll send it to you. It's our way of saying thank you for helping us as we try to help so many people through this outreach called Turning Point. We are so grateful for your continued prayers and support as we Watch God work on behalf of this ministry, continually stretching the limits of where we go and what we do, touching more and more people, and seeing more and more people come to Christ. There's never been anything quite like this in all the days that I've been in ministry, and a lot of it's because of your support in helping us do what we do. We'll see you next time. message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Is Turning Point making a difference in your life? Share your story by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta BC, V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, and live with certainty in these uncertain times. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world. You can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. The noted Polish writer Stanislaw Lech was a master of simple sayings containing a world of truth. For instance, he once suggested it is not really progress when cannibals start using forks and knives. Progress is a good example of words that have taken on new meaning in our modern era. 
And sin is another such word. People used to know what sin was, but today sin is called a mistake or a bad choice. But sin is a biblical word with serious meaning. And the only way to appreciate what God did to take away our sin is to recognize how grievous sin is and not redefine it. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's solution for sin on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.